Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Last Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You are watching episode 122 of the Lax Factor podcast, I am always indecisive with the numbers uh, as it pertains to the episodes. Today, we have a bunch of news for you. We have some uh, transfer flip news where some guys have decommitted from an IV and are now heading to an ACC school, which uh, just keeps happening. And then I wanted to talk about the uh, not necessarily the top returning freshmen uh, from last year's crop of D1 freshmen that are coming back and looking to have a big year. But, you know, at least the guys that I'm really excited, some of them are un- inarguably the the top freshmen coming back. but uh, And all of them will technically be freshmen from an eligibility standpoint as well. So I want to talk about 2021's returning freshmen, uh, you know, technically sophomores, technically freshmen, uh, that are going to have breakout seasons in 2021 again because they already broke out in 2020 and they get to just finish that job in 2021. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so that you're notified when we put out more videos. And also, uh, if you want to support us beyond that, you can go to laxfactor.com. You can watch our videos there. You can see the audio podcast there. More importantly, you can buy swag to help support us, hats, t-shirts, all sorts of other stuff. And it's not all branded stuff. We have just regular lacrosse related t-shirts and and apparel as well. Uh, so let's get into it. The And I'm going to butcher the the pronunciation of their name here, but the uh, Ricky or Deli or Rissier Delhi brothers, uh, they flipped from Penn to Notre Dame. Things just keep getting worse for the Ivy League teams, more specifically Penn, as they're bleeding guys, uh, very specifically to Notre Dame. Uh, Penn lost Gallagher and Thornton uh, due to their inability to bring back their seniors because of the COVID and school rules and all that weird stuff with the Ivy. In Gallagher, the Irish gain one of the best face-off men in the country, bar none, and Penn loses the guy that has helped them keep pace with Yale and TD Erlen in the Ivy League. Gallagher was a huge piece of their uh, success, and losing him now hurts them badly, especially because they lose him and Thornton. Uh, I believe Thornton's a midfielder. Uh, or is he a defender? I'm drawing a blank here now all of a sudden on what Thornton is, but they lose Gallagher and Thornton. Thornton, I believe his name actually is, to Notre Dame. So you throw in Jeff and Thomas Riccardelli, if that's the right way to pronounce that. Jeff is a four-star lefty finisher, number 34 overall player in the 21 class. Good enough that he broke a record that was set by Michael Krause, UVA standout Michael Krause, who is now a pro when he was only a sophomore. 63 goals Jeff put up in 2019 versus Krause's 57 in 2016. I think that was Krause's senior year in high school. Thomas, the younger brother, five-star, insane goalkeeper, uh, 22 class, 64% save percentage in 2019 as a freshman. Now, I watched both of their tapes. Jeff, the lefty finisher, 
Very solid lacrosse player. I do not think he's the type of kid that's going to get right on the field for Notre Dame and contribute immediately. If he did, it would probably be in a specialty um, capacity, similar to like a man-up guy coming on or something like that. But I, I picture him just being a solid role player and maybe you know making some noise and getting a start uh, and really contributing by the time he's a junior or so. But I could be wrong. That's the hard thing to, to you know. It's always hard to say with the young guys. Now Thomas, the five-star keeper, I I try not to overblow things and I try to be tempered in my opinions overall unless it has something to do with Syracuse where you all know I tend to get a little excited but this keeper is the real deal man I watched his his tape and just positionally in terms of his his basics in terms of his stance in terms of him always being in the right position before a shot's ever taken right up there with the best of them in his class in in the country I would say uh, in terms of high school keepers his the way he steps to the ball he is very he's not reactive he's very patient in his stance so he doesn't just see a shot come off somebody's hands and get all jumpy and start guessing he was very measured in his movements now i only caveat that with i was watching a highlight cut so i didn't see him giving up goals which is what i would have really liked to see to to kind of gauge how how good this kid is but in in what i did see where he was making saves excellent steps incredible hands, does not guess, at least not in the scenarios that I saw. He he really just wait. He sees the ball well, waiting for the shot to be taken and then reacts to the shot and to where the ball is going, not to, you know, the, the, you know, how it's leaving the, the shooter's stick. So excellent instincts. And was just an all around mechanically sound goalkeeper. I think he is the kind of kid that could step onto a, a campus, start as a freshman and then be a standout goalie through four years. So Notre Dame picked up a really good recruit in this kid and Penn lost a potential four-year starting goalie when they lost him. So that's a little bit of the news. Another little tidbit of news, and I'm not going to, it's going to be one of those news things where I tell you a part of the story and not the whole story and you're going to get mad. But the reality is I, we've all kind of had the idea and I believe it might even be official that Princeton is not playing in this uh, upcoming 2021 season. They will be like, they, they have enough players that are opting out. They're just not going to have to, they're not going to be able to field the team. So it looks like Princeton is not playing in 2021. And now I have word on good authority that there is another Ivy League school that is also unofficially, like in, inside the organization, it's official. They're not playing unofficially. It's not announced yet. But now we're looking at possibly two Ivy League schools already opting out of the 21, 2021 season. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch that. So just everyone keep their ears low to the ground. You hear anything, let me know. But it looks like we do have two IVs that aren't going to play in 2021, which is going to be really odd for that conference. Bad for the teams within the conference. They're going to have to find some other games to play here and there. So that was another little bit of news. Now let's get into the nitty gritty of this episode. Freshmen from 2020, I'm excited to see break out again in 2021. These are guys that were freshmen at the D1 level in 2020, and now they're going to be freshmen technically again in 2021, and all of them are should have huge years. So I'm going to start with the guy I think I am most excited about, and I think a lot of people are, and it's Richmond's Richie Connell. 6'5", 205-pound kid out of the Hill Academy, 2020 as a freshman, played in all seven games, started five on attack. That was something that uh, was a surprise to the Richmond coaching staff. They weren't sure this kid was going to come on campus and just own a position like he did right away, and he did. First-team freshman All-American by College Cross. Yeah, 
take that with a grain of salt, albeit he's a nasty freshman. Led the team with 19 goals, second with 22 total points, two or more goals in five games, three games with three or more goals. Now, Connell wasn't the leading scoring freshman in the country, but one of the things that he was was one of the most consistent scorers in the country in terms of you'll see a couple of the guys I'm going to talk about, they put up seven points in a single game. You know, So let's say they had 30 points. Well, they put seven up in one game, six up in another, and then the rest was spread. Connell's point production was very well spread out throughout the entire season. Well, throughout the seven games anyway. Two or more goals in five games, three games with three or more goals, three goals in his first game against Maryland, so that's not bad. One of the reasons that Richmond didn't fall off and that Richmond came out in 2020 and was just as solid uh, as they were in 2019. Led the country with seven man-up goals in seven games. Very opportunistic, and I like that. Most off-ball guys are pretty opportunistic. Spider's man-up offense, though, was actually built around this kid. So Richmond decided, hey, this kid is so good off ball. He's just so good at, you know, seeing the field, getting open and getting, you know, highly, uh, uh, you know, very quality, high quality shots off. We're going to build the entire man up around this kid. So seven man up goals in seven games. And those seven man up goals were good for second all time at Richmond. And he did that for a single season. And he did that in just seven games. So this kid is one of those talents that were Richmond sitting here thinking for us, did we get a generational kid? Is this going to be one of the best players that we've ever had on campus here? So I think that Richmond with all the things that he did last year, I think they have a lot of reason to be excited about Connell because I think he is one of those guys that we're going to be talking about uh, by the time he's a junior and a senior as one of the top five guys in the country offensively. Uh, next guy, we're going to get into the ACC here. Duke's Dyson Williams, 6'2", 200 pound kid out of Hill Academy, started all eight games on attack for Duke as a freshman. And Duke was a little bit, this was one of the weakest offensive rosters Duke has had in many years, albeit they would have gotten it together eventually. When I say weakest, I just mean they lacked a little bit of depth. And that was partially only true because the midfield, the first midfield line wasn't panning out and they were missing Robinson and Manown for all of the season at, at that point. So that hurt them pretty badly. Led all freshmen nationally with 3.13 goals per game. Ranked fifth in the ACC and 29th nationally overall. Led Duke with 30 points off 26 goals and four assists. So this kid comes in as a freshman and was leading Duke in scoring and would have would have finished the year lead as, as Duke's leading scorer for sure. 55.6 shooting percentage, which led Duke and was second in the ACC, seventh nationally. Kid has a nose for putting the ball in the back of the net, but you know you got those lefty finish, finishers coming out of Hill Academy that's going to happen at least one goal in all eight games he had five hat tricks was on the Tewarton award watch list as a freshman seven goals in overtime win uh seven goals in overtime win versus Richmond so that was a big deal first attacker to post seven goals for Duke since Zach Greer so that's really good company to be in and the big thing for for Dyson Williams is I think of all the guys, his point production, even though it was already pretty high, I think his point production is going to jump the most. I think that the next guy I'm going to talk about, he'll, his will jump pretty well, but I think that you're going to see Dyson take another, uh, take another step because he's not going to remain Duke's leading scorer. Michael Sowers is going to do that, but you pair a guy like Dyson Williams with Michael Sowers. You put Michael Sowers driving up from, the, from right X or from X coming up the right side. You put Dyson Williams on the opposite side, and Sowers is going to throw passes through the defense. He's going to throw passes 
over the defense. It doesn't matter if the defense has to be honest and protect from getting scorched by Sowers. They will have no option other than to leave Dyson at least in single coverage on that backside, loose coverage, where even if he doesn't get uh, spot shots off those feeds, he's going to be able to dodge his guy underneath down the alley and stick easy goals. So I think Williams is going to see a huge uptick in his production because of Sowers. And uh, that's that's going to uh, be a big deal for Duke. That's it, it, it transforms Duke's, Duke's team, obviously, adding the best player in the country. But uh, they just you look at the chemistry and the way it looks like some of these puzzle pieces are starting to fit together for the Blue Devils, and they're looking scary. The next guy, and this guy, I mean, you, you look at how well he played throughout the season, and I think he was the leading scoring freshman. Maybe I have it in my notes here, but Michigan's Josh Zawada, 6'1", 175-pound kid out of. Hill Academy. First three guys I talked about all just happened to be part of the uh, from the Hill Academy. 2020, big numbers for this rookie. 16 goals, 16 helpers. Total 50-50 split. Four plus points in six of seven games. Five plus points in four of seven games. Two six-point games against uh, Canisius and St. John's. Two goals, three assists versus Yale. I throw them in there because that was the best team Michigan played. Now, he's a streakier shooter than these the other two guys. The other two guys have much higher shooting percentages. And a lot of the freshmen I'm going to talk about here end up having really good shooting percentages. But he did a, he did a lot. He was, he was pretty much Michigan's best player, I would say. And then he got keyed on a lot because he carried the ball a lot. He fed a lot. So teams really had to game plan around him when they played him. So he ends up shooting a little bit, you know, 33%. That's not great. But Michigan wasn't great, and he got keyed on a ton. I was lucky enough to see a couple of Michigan's games. And uh, he was fun to watch. Uh, played like a sophomore. If he puts a little bit of weight on it at six one one seventy five, the type of abuse that he's going to have to take to continue his success is going to be considerable. So I think that this is one of those kids that, especially with COVID, this COVID off season could really have helped this kid. If he comes in even at one eighty five, or if he comes in at one ninety plus, look out because it, he he doesn't play like a scrawny kid. He played pretty damn tough. But if you put on just a little bit of weight to the point that he can muscle himself around a little bit more, uh, not get a little bit, you know, when when you're an attackman and you're dodging from X or down wings, you, defenders tend to try to kind of get that push on your upper shoulder here. And it kind of makes you top heavy when you're a, a smaller guy and it'll take you off your step and off your pace a little. So if he can put on some muscle, he doesn't get pushed off his path quite as often, and that will increase his shooting percentage. It'll help him get shots off a little bit more effectively and put them on cage without those getting deflected. And more importantly, it's just going, it's his production is going to go through the roof. So I think that Michigan has the real deal in this kid in Zawada. And if you haven't seen him play, make sure to check it out. It's worth looking for and watching a Michigan game uh, one way or another, whether you do it on like that big 10 network or whatever the hell it is. It's, it's, it's for me, I subscribe to every freaking lacrosse channel that I can possibly get so I can just watch nothing but lacrosse during the spring. But even for lay men, that Big Ten uh, channel, if you even if you just got it for a month or two as, as they get into conference play, it's worth it. You know, the, the, the streams aren't always great, but the announcers are typically pretty good where they're you know doing the national games on it. And the Big Ten teams, they, they beat each other up. They play quality lacrosse, quality lacrosse over there. Next guy. Notre Dame's Pat Kavanaugh, 5'10", 185-pound attack out of Chaminade. First kid not from the Hill Academy that we've talked about. Started all five, five games for Notre Dame. Tied for team lead in points with 16 in those five games. Tied for team lead in goals, 10. Second in assists with 6. 
Three goals, four helpers in his debut versus Cleveland State. Scored four goals in a win over number 17, Richmond. And one thing I've noticed is a lot of the guys I've talked about had big outings in their, like, you know, against Richmond. So that that's probably not good that Richmond is getting torched by other teams' freshmen all willy-nilly. Probably a sign of lack of depth for Richmond on the defensive side a little bit if the freshmen are the ones that are torching them. Uh, obviously, brother of, of Notre Dame stud Matt Kavanaugh, who is also now a pro, uh, it's, so it's fitting that Pat's going to tear it up for Notre Dame. I know the Notre Dame fans were really excited about Kavanaugh coming to, uh, to Notre Dame, and I wasn't sure that he was going to get on the field as much as he did and that he was going to tear it up like he did as a freshman. I thought he might have a slow progression as a freshman into contributing, but I was wrong. He, he contributed right away and did so at a very high level. Virginia's Peyton Cormier, 6'2", 200-pound kid out of Oakville High School in Ontario, 2020 as a redshirt freshman, and I've spoke on him before. I, the, one of the big things with Cormier was that he got hurt in 2019 and had to rehab all year, and Tillman praised how tough he was through his rehab efforts. In 2020, he was also a college cross freshman All-American first team, started all six games for UVA at midfield, scored 12 goals, seven helpers in UVA's six games, three goals in his debut against Loyola, which was tough. Career day versus high point went four and one. Number 18 in the country with a 500, uh, 50% shooting percentage, another ACC sniper like Dyson Williams. But we see this trend as I go through these guys. A lot of these guys' shooting percentages were off the charts. So that that class, this class of freshmen from last year, Bunch of bunch of stud shooters in the group did all of this after missing the 2019 uh, injury uh, season with an injury, and he's going to need to be equally huge for UVA in 2021. In 2020, he was playing alongside Docs Aitken and having that type of success while teams keyed and primarily pulled Aitken. And as you look at it, they in 2020 they had they were playing without Kraus because Kraus moved on and went pro. 2021, they're going to be playing without Aitken. So they do get most everybody else back, but you lose Aiken at the midfield. Now Cormier is the one getting keyed on. Cormier is the one that's getting the pole put on him all the time. So he's going to have to be able to, you know, not necessarily just continue on with this production, but I think his production is going to have to uptick a little bit. I think it will. I think that you get the ball more when when um, uh, Aiken isn't there, but you know, it'll, it's, it remains to be seen what happens. But if you figure in the ACC. Duke, Syracuse, UNC, Notre Dame, they've all gotten better as COVID has happened. Syracuse brought everybody back. UNC brought everybody back. Duke brought everybody back, Gets get Manown and Robertson back from injury, and they add Michael Sowers and Robertson, the midfielder from uh, Princeton as well. So Duke got a lot better. Syracuse kept pace and you know is going to be a little bit better. UNC is going to be a little bit better and Notre Dame is going to be a little bit to a lot better. So everybody else in the ACC improved through this. I don't think UVA did. I don't I don't think they they brought in the transfers. You could talk about Schellenberger, but we don't know what the hell he's going to do yet even though I'm pretty sure he's going to tear it up. Um, but you know that's a freshman coming in to tear it up. Everybody else has all their upperclassmen back. So I think that hurts UVA, but Cormier can help kind of help make up for that a little bit. Next guy, Cornell's Michael Long, 5'10", 180-pound attack out of Del Barton School. As a rookie, college crosses, freshman All-American again, second team, started all five games as a freshman at attack for the Big Red, playing alongside the great Jeff Teat. 11 goals, 8 helpers, 19 points, very solid all-around numbers for a kid like this. Second on the team in helpers, fourth in goals and points. 24th in all of Division I with, once again, a very high shooting percentage. His was 47.8%, 7 points, 4 and 3 versus high point. 
So with Teat coming back, he, this is another scenario where I don't think that like a Teat long combo is nearly as deadly as a as a Sowers and uh, Williams combo simply because we have a, a, a quarterback with an off ball specialist. Michael Long's more of that kind of two way guy, so he's yeah, I don't I wouldn't call him a quarterback, but he's a fifty fifty guy. He can dodge, he can feed, he can shoot, finish, you name it, he can do it. So with Teat coming back. And Teat continuing to draw that attention, I think that you're going to see Michael Long's uh, his his production go up. I think he's going to put up more points, average more points per game than he did last year. And Teat, you know, drawing all of that attention as a super senior here at Cornell now, it's going to be huge for Michael Long and for Cornell generally. And it'll the other big thing here too is Cornell's been dreading losing Teat for since Teat has started tearing it up for him in the first place. Michael Long by no means is going to be able to just fill that void, but it would it's nice to see that that Cornell has a creating a, a guy who can create offense for everybody on this team so that after Teat does move on, they know they got a guy waiting in the wings to kind of take over and anchor anchor this offense. And they have a couple of guys coming in that'll be solid as well. Another guy. Now we'll start getting into some quicker guys. These guys, none of these guys are as as big a names as the ones that I maybe mentioned, but all of them are pretty solid. Lehigh's Christian Mule, fifteen goals, five assists, twenty one points. Another great finisher in this rookie class with a forty five point seven percent shooting percentage. Four multi goal games, six multi assist games, four hat tricks, four man up goals, three goals in debut versus Utah. He'll likely start shading closer to a sixty forty guy. I think as his career wears on just by necessity. When you got these guys that finish but can also feed, eventually they start to even out their point production a little bit as they get double teamed more often and they share the ball a little bit more. I expect to see that with Christian Mule, a very solid freshman out of Lehigh. Now now we get into teams that are are reloading and and teams like High Point that I'm about to talk about, they have, you know, we they had the crazy keeper from 2019 um I'm just drawing a blank here, even though we talked about him a million times here and ended up being the rookie of the year in the uh, PLL. See, you you guys have all noticed that I'm, I'm trying my recall as we haven't had a lot of lacrosse to talk about and I haven't been thinking about, you know, lacrosse only. My recall is is ditching here a little bit, but I'll think of it. But anyway, Asher Nolting is the main guy I wanted to talk about here. High Point has a Twarton caliber player here in, in Nolting. Nolting. And the fear when you have these guys is, all right, we got this guy. We're going to enjoy this guy for four years. But now we have to start trying to make sure that when this guy leaves, we don't go back to where we were. It's teams like High Point that could tear it up for the four years they have Nolting. But eh, you lose Nolting, you're right back down to you know a mid-level team uh, that doesn't pull upsets like they did in, in the 2019 season. And they weren't they weren't upsetting people in 2020. Old Nolting, I think, was struggling a little bit, trying to get used to the new flow. He was trying to do a little bit too much, but I think they'll adjust in 2021. Now, the reason High Point should be very optimistic that, they, that things aren't just going to fall off once Asher Nolting leaves is they picked up Tyler Hendricks and Devin Buckshot, both freshmen, both had great first years. Hendricks 14 and 2, 16 points, Buckshot 12 and 2, 14 points. Both both goal scorers, both guys that are good to put around a guy like Asher Nolting. High point, they had a couple of holes to fill, uh, you know, where they lost a couple of guys from the 2019 season. And I don't think these guys filled it perfectly because you could tell offensively their flow was off, but as the season wore on, these guys got comfortable and they put up some points. Played nicely as, alongside Nolting who drew a lot of attention and then they took advantage of that. 
I think they would have done a little bit better if Nolting wasn't trying to do a little bit too much. And I think that 2021 will see that. I think Nolting lucked out having that year where it's like, hey, I'm the man now by myself on this team after losing a couple of seniors that helped him out in 2019. And I think that affected him. I think the added attention affected him. Not having uh, a couple of the, the ball carriers that they had the year before, I think that affected him. So they're going to provide a huge uptick in production for both Nolting and themselves in 2021. They're going to do well, but I think once Nolting is gone, these guys are going to be just sitting there waiting to kind of take over that offense. And I think that gives high point some stability and, and gives them the ability to stay at the top of their conference, even after they lose a, a stud like Nolting. Now the other, now here's a, a big one for Marquette. They've got three kids that came in that tore it up. Now, granted Marquette wasn't a very good team in 2020. They were three and four, uh, and they had played a fairly weak schedule by the time COVID nuked the season. But we have Chris Kirshner, Devin Cohen, and Jake Stegman of Marquette, all freshmen. Kirshner, a midfielder, 16 and 4, led Marquette in scoring as a freshman. Cohen, an attackman, 9 and 8, 17 points. Stegman, an attackman, 5 and 10, 15 points. So, as I said, Marquette, 3 and 4, played a weak schedule up to that point. But. To have these three young guns running around, it has to give them some hope for 2022-2023, and you would expect them to improve. I mean, you, you get three young guys that are just forced over your first seven games to contribute as much as these guys did. They grew. Now they've got an offseason to improve. A lot of you know your freshman to sophomore transitions as a player, that involves a lot of bulking up, putting on five, ten pounds of meat and improving your skills on top of it because most of these kids haven't spent the even though a lot all these kids have spent a ton of time with sticks in their hands most of them haven't spent as much time as they do once they get to that d1 level with their sticks in their hands and working on very specific things all within the scope of their offenses so i think you're going to see marquette improve i think you'll see marquette instead of being three and four you know, after seven games, maybe Marquette's four and three after seven games in 2021, and it will be largely because of these young these young studs that they brought in, Kirshner, Cohen, and Stegman. So watch them. And out running out of the Big East, um, playing is it the Big East still playing Denver? And you know that's one of Marquette's big rivals is Denver. I saw them play last year once or twice, and I didn't really notice these guys. But once you look at the stats, you're like, ah, you know, hell, these guys were pretty solid. Uh, next up. Maryland's Daniel Maltz, 12 goals, six helpers, 18 points. Now, if Bernhardt doesn't come back, he is going to get a big chance to step up and grow some hair on his turtle chest. Third on the team in goals, fourth in points, led the Terps in man-up goals with four, five goals with three man-up goals versus Penn. Perfect fit in Maryland's scheme. Maryland plays kind of a positionless offense. You got guys running around all over, attackmen dodging from out top, Bernhardt you know, cutting all over the field, despite the fact he was their best player. And he, he, the whole offense is geared towards let's not force anyone to do too much. Let's let everyone get touches. Let's let everyone get in on the motion. Let's let everyone get some dodges. And Maltz is perfect. is just a perfect fit for that type of offense. So, <coughs> excuse me. If Bernhardt doesn't come back, Maltz will be right there. That That's why Maryland is able to reload, rinse and repeat every year because they got, got guys like Maltz who, you know, end up being in the shadows for a little bit because you got guys like Bernhardt and Wisnowskis and people like that on the team. But as soon as they're given their opportunity, boom, you've got a potential All-American on your hands in Maltz. Next up, man, it's a, I, I did a good job prepping for this one. This is a lot of, a lot of content here. Denver's J.J. Silstrop started all six games for Denver, saw, and, and actually in, in part of those first six games saw some serious foes. They played Air Force, who is solid, Duke, North Carolina, 
and Notre Dame, probably one of the toughest early season schedules in the country, although their schedule kind of wanes a little bit as they get into their Big East conference play. Ten goals, no helpers. Who needs helpers? Four cost turnovers, so you got a little bit of hustle there. You'd need that as a freshman if you're starting for Denver. Hattrick versus St. Bonnie's put up eight of his ten goals in two games. So he's one of the guys where I say, all right, they played six games and eight of his ten goals came in two of them. So we got to be tempered with this kid, but this kid's the real deal. Very, very capable scorer. Five goals on five shots in the win over Air Force. That padded his stats a little bit, but Air Force is a solid team, a very good defensive team, and he shredded them. So that's one of those deals where Denver's got other guys. He wasn't the guy at Denver, so for him to be able to just you know let the game come to him and where the opportunity came up, five goals off five shots, that's a hell of a job by Silstrop. So it'll be interesting to see his progression. Now the question comes... They've added talent. De- Denver picked up new attackman uh, Jackson Morrill out of uh, from Yale. He transferred over. Kotler from Yale, midfielder. So how does he fit in with those guys? With Jungle Jack, Hannah, and uh, and the like, and you know, so I, does his? I I, pre- I presume his production is going to go up. I just don't know how it's going to end up going up. How much? You know, he could end up just being a 20, 25 point scorer in twenty twenty one. Just out of, by design, he doesn't need to do too much. Uh, Loyola, Loyola. And one, and I like to talk about teams like Loyola because Loyola is one of those teams that's perpetually in the top 20. Now they've, they've kind of solidified their claim to a top 20 spot they're, every year. They're a tough get a tough draw on your schedule. And then they pick up a dude like Pat Spencer, and then they end up being a top 10 team and, you know, make some noise in the tournament. So Loyola, the key to them staying there and the key to them continuing to be a top 20 team. Uh, one of those pieces of the puzzle or two of the pieces of that puzzle Adam, I'm going to butcher this name too, Adam Poitras, or Adam uh, Potras, and Joey Kamish. Uh, Potras, five goals, seven helpers, 12 points. Kamish, eight goals, three assists, 11 points. Both are good signs for Loyola, though, in their quest to stay solid and not fall out of the top 20. Albany. Albany is unique in that they have dominated the America East Conference for years. I want to say they kind of dominated it for the most part for like almost a decade. And now all but, you know, the last year, last since pretty much since Connor Fields left and that's it. Connor Fields graduates next season. Albany is not dominating the America East conference. And I don't think they would even want it last year. So to see a dude like Graydon Hogg come in or Hogue come in as a freshman, he goes 11 and four in five games for the Danes. He's going to have to continue with that type of production because Dehoga Nanakote can't do it all, all the time. Dehoga is not a quarterback. He is a finisher. He can dodge too. But he, you know, you pr- you need a primary dodger to kind of help open him up and let him play his real game so that he doesn't have to force things. So I think that uh, Hogue's production in 2020 bodes well for Albany in 2021. I think it gives them another elite type dodger and scorer that can kind of get Albany back to the top of the America East. Now, as I'm finishing up here, I got the sun glaring in my eye, but lucky for me, that's the end of my list here. So... That is this episode. I've been rambling for quite a while. I'm going to let you guys roll. We got some COVID tests going on in our household today uh, as we've got I've got a sick wife uh, and we've just kind of been hunkering down, not doing anything for the last week because we've been going through it. So we got some excitement here. Maybe we've got the vid. Maybe we don't. We'll know by this weekend if we had the vid or not. So I'm just going to be hunkered down, stuck in my house, in my office, as I usually am. 
So that is all. Uh, we'll be back here next week, maybe something over the weekend. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Uh, if you want to listen to the audio version only, go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor, or you can get this podcast anywhere where you can get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it, we're there. Stitcher, you know, we're even in some weird, obscure ones beyond that. And uh, that is it. Thanks for watching. I'll be back. And Hoost is out. Out.